What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Founder Hour podcast. My name is Posh. I'm Pat. And we're here with Charles Liu. I'm going to call you Charlie. What's up, Charlie? Charles. Charles, whatever. Liu. <laughs> I'm going to call you Nemesis. Yeah, so call me sad. Nemesis. He calls me Nemesis. Uh, so, quick backstory. Well, first of all, Charlie is a, an attorney. He's a hospitality entrepreneur, tech entrepreneur. He is a member of the Loyola Law School Board of Directors. You're a part of multiple nonprofits. So basically, he's somebody who doesn't sleep. And we'll just call it that. Do you, do you have a name for yourself? I mean, I don't know. Nothing as creative as Nemesis. Okay, yeah. okay. So he's a creative genius yeah. is what he's saying. Um, so I met Charlie when I was in law school. That's right, at and the Entrepreneur Club. It was an Entrepreneur Club yeah. event because I was in law school, but it was a club for people that didn't want to practice law. Mm. Yeah, it makes sense. Entrepreneur yeah. Club at law school. <laughs> yeah. At law school, yeah. So that's why Charlie was there. And I told and, everyone not to, yeah. not to finish law school, yeah, which definitely up. drew I didn't some listen. laughs. Yeah. I didn't you listen, but listened. I should have definitely listened. It would have saved me a lot of loan payments, but it's okay. I tried. Yeah, you tried. And here we are today. Ended up working for Charlie right after law school. Literally after law school, started working for Charlie and had a great time. And we're back here today. And I want because I've always heard, I've obviously heard his story, but yeah. I'm sure there's a lot I haven't. And it was always interesting because I know Charlie. You'll tell us you grew up in Scotland, or you were born in Scotland, or you were born here, and you moved to yeah, Scotland. Grew up, yeah. And uh, he'll tell us the story. So. Why don't you take it off? So tell us, tell us where you were born and then. So I was born New York City, okay. Manhattan. Mm. Um, I moved to Scotland when I was not old enough to walk. Yeah. Uh, people always ask me, they're like, you have this crazy accent. Right. right? Which I, is, I asked them one time. I was yeah, like, I, super I, can't, I can't really make it out. No one yeah. can make it Because there's a New York side and then there's the Scotland uh, it's, side. It's, and, and I go to I just got back from Scotland doing the whiskey distillery tour mm. and uh, hitting up Macallan and a bunch of the, the incredible distilleries. So when I'm in Scotland, people go, yo, where are you from? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm from here. And they're like, no, you're not. <sighs> and I'm like, ah, shit. And then here, people are like... Where are you from? I'm like here, and they're like, no, you're not. Mm. I'm like, all right, so I'm from nowhere apparently. Yeah. But you're a global citizen. Exactly, exactly. I'm like uh, one of those sea, the sea people. You see those people who have been living in the ocean no. on the platform. Really? You guys just see no. mermaids. <laughs> so there's these people. All right, so here we go. Ready? All fucked up. Yeah, you're all already, already going at it. Yeah. All right, there's these people, and they live in international water on okay. sea platforms, like okay. oil rig platforms, oh, wow. and they try to claim like autonomy from any type of foreign or any type of, of law. Yeah. So there they say we're not subject to uh, any country's law because we are outside of the 12 mile or 13 mile mm. from the coastline and two of them outside the philippines just got charged with treason and something oh. else and the philippine government essentially said that they would kill them uh, or they would be subject to disciplinary mm -hmm. measures including wow. death if they That's were crazy. caught so they fled their sea platform because like when it comes to jurisdiction you don't know where the line is right like it's you water. don't know where I mean, the line is yeah. so, like not in those parts of the world yeah. right yeah. <laughs> and, and if if you're sitting there saying i'm i'm a, a foreign national because i'm a sea sea world right mm -hmm. or whatever it was yeah. they called yeah. themselves yeah. you're Shamu. basically <laughs> you're basically sitting there saying yeah. you've got a, a foreign national yeah. entity right off your coast so Crazy. the next step is to sit there and say, is this a threat to our country as a foreign entity? Mm. But it was actually pretty popular for a while. People were building and yeah. paying to build these sea, uh, sea platforms, sea dwellings. Mm. Uh, one guy even went as far as uh, creating his own currency. Oh, 
And was uh, it on the blockchain? Was it Bitcoin? Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. No, he actually he actually had money. Wow. Yeah. And he had an army, which was like his, oh. it was like his two homies with nice. shotguns on the platform. So it was a it was a very unintimidating. Those guys yeah. <laughs> so so you're like one of those guys, basically. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, my bad. Yeah. So back and forth, uh, yeah. Scotland, then moved back to the states when I was 13. Do you remember? Do you remember like living in Scotland? Oh yeah. I mean, that's really the the memory I yeah. have. So my childhood memory is Scotland. Just drinking whiskey at like 11. So, yeah, so it's actually kind of funny. My, I, I do recall the first time I had whiskey. I was five or six, and mm-hmm. my grandfather told my mom, like, let him have a, yeah. sip, time. Right? Give him a, a wee bit, yeah. let him have yeah. a wee bit of, of, of whiskey. And uh, the, the joke I have is uh, it was McAllen, which is funny. <laughs> was it really? I subsequently worked with McAllen. Yeah. And, Hashtag not yeah, a man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so exactly. So they got was, you early. <laughs> yeah, so it's funny. But the funny part is um, in Scotland, as a little kid, you know, obviously I'm not endorsing feeding whiskey to right. five-year-olds. But it, you turned out all right. But it didn't hurt me. Right. So yeah, perhaps this is a subtle endorsement. But I feel like it's like that in, like, in just any country outside of the U.S. Really? Especially like it's, immigrant, it's, like non like, like There's like myth- mythology to it too. It's like... You know, yeah. it's good for your health. Like, yeah. if, you're, if you're sick, right. like, take a shot of this. And like, it takes a whole taboo out of it, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. everything. It's like if you're told, right. I can't, you can't drink, you can't do this, you can't do that. Everybody wants to exactly. do it. Yeah, you know, I remember moving here at 13, and I remember the mm. kids would sneak out of the house with a bottle of whiskey or a bottle of rum, mm. and they would hide out mm. at their boy's house who had less parental guidance, and they would chug this bottle of rum and I never understood it because yeah. I was sitting there thinking, you know, I remember being five and getting a thing of whiskey. So there was no, there yeah, was, it was just no like water for, for us. Yeah. Are you guys too old for this? Yeah, exactly. There wasn't this whole yeah. surreptitious yeah, 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 yeah. clandestine. I mean, you're right. It's, it's, all, it's all the things that you're not allowed to do. You want to go you ahead and do, do it. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so funnily enough, my, my grandfather told my mom, uh, give him, uh, and it was obviously scotch, scotch not whiskey. Well, so 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 scotch and whiskey. Yeah. So, so tell us. Yeah. So so scotch is the easiest way I always explain it to people is all scotches are whiskeys, but not all whiskeys are scotches. Mm. Right. So it has to be uh, aged in Scotland to be a scotch rather than a whiskey. So the the fermentation process, depending on you know your bourbons, your rye, your scotches, mm-hmm. whiskeys, American whiskeys, all very very similar. Right. It's just the this aging maturation. It's process. like champagne, cognac. Can you taste the difference? Like you? Sure, you can. You can. So there's there's regions of Scotland mm. and uh, where um, the whiskeys come from distinct regions, and mm. you can actually taste very distinct tastes from the region. So, for example, uh, peats and uh, brines and iodine salt, you can actually taste some of the salt from the ocean and some of the salt right. from the ocean air. And, and some of the uh, different regions will have much more you know, maybe earthy mm-hmm. flavors. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then, obviously, the, um, the, the process between distillery will, will create very, very different uh, scotches, but the regions are, are create dramatic differences for sure. Um, so yeah, so I grew up there, and uh, that's my dog making crazy noises. <laughs> yeah, um, he wants to be the guest. Yeah, she. she oh, she. This was, yeah. 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 
Uh, so grew up there. Uh, first scotch I had, my grandfather uh, told my mom to mix it with lemonade, which is always funny because everybody thinks that's really gross. Yeah, but, sounds pretty good to me. But lemonade in Scotland is actually Seven Up or Sprite. Oh, okay. okay. So imagine just mixing scotch like soda. a like still a, most people like do it with like like Coca Cola. Yeah, not, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I gotta try that one time. Yeah, or like a Seagram's, yeah. like a Seven Seven, right? Mm. So, um, do you remember what whiskey it was? I, yeah, it was Macallan. Oh yeah, you yeah, said which that. Is, which I just wanted to funny. get yeah. the ad going again. Yeah, no, no. Oh, yeah, again, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So it was McAllen. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that was uh, that was cool. So that was my first experience with that and uh, beer. You know, obviously mm-hmm. we drank mm-hmm. uh, Tenants Lager and McEwen's and some of these other beers, which is that's also been really interesting because. Uh, the American beer market was always thought of as this young, fledgling, inexperienced, non-developed beer culture, mm-hmm. which is really interesting now for me to travel around the world right. and see that the American beer culture is arguably second to none. I'm and is that beers. because like Anheuser-Busch came in and bought them all out, basically? No, and certainly like, not. Okay. No, I think what they've, happened they've was, I, yeah. look, I think it's, you know, good old American ingenuity. Yeah. And look, we, we're... We're a, gr- a, a great country for a reason. Mm-hmm. We're a great country because we take things and we take them to a whole other level. Yeah, like we influence and, culture essentially. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what we did with beer. I mean, if you look at the beers and the IPAs and, and the stout, everything, everything that's coming out of this country right now, I mean, everybody's always talking about Belgium and, and beers yeah. and, and uh, you know some of the European countries, which certainly they, there's a lot of merit to those comments. Yeah, but we're over here, like we like Ballast Point and Lagunitas. Like, which are great beers. Yeah, I love them. Yeah. Yeah, and now we're drinking a Boomtown Crazy Hazy Double IPA. Double IPA, yeah. And it tastes great. It's a great beer. I feel very like uh, waspy. Like white Anglo Saxon product, yeah, yeah, yeah. Drinking the yeah, it has the right yeah, amount of hop, though. I'll, I'll, huh? I'll say it that. is. It's I love not, IPA. You know, You're a big IPA yeah. guy, so yeah. I know you but like it's it. a good, it's a good balance. Yeah. It, so it's it's going down beer. very well along with this Azunia tequila that yeah. I'm about to say. Gotta give the shout out yeah, yeah. to Azunia, that's Absolutely. a family. Yeah. Can you guys tell how many sponsors we have on this podcast? Yeah, right? Yeah, it's crazy. So, you move here at 15, you said 13. 13. So, I move into high school, basically. High school, and anything big crazy happened there? Big it's shock. Just okay. a big shock. You, big, know, you go okay. from Scotland, where my town was, I think it was 3,000 people. Yeah. You land in Daytona Beach, Florida. Yeah, you're in Florida, right? During yeah. the height of spring break. So, wow. why Florida, by the way? Uh, mom had a job opportunity oh. there. So, uh, you guys are too young to remember this, but. Uh, Daytona Beach was this crazy spring break mecca. Was so it? All I've of heard those, stories. Oh, yeah. Now it's I mean, Cancun and, and Cabo. Sto- exactly. Yeah. And those <laughs> stories are true. It was yeah. madness. So so my high school was literally on the beach. So oh, shit. you walked out of my high school and you were on A1A. Mm. Oh, out of the front door, you were on A1A. So as you can imagine, not conducive to higher yeah. academia. Definitely uh, not. Uh, just sneaking into not, college parties. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I yeah. left high school lunches to, who was it? I remember, I'll never forget. It was uh, Naughty by Nature. It was Ooh. a Naughty by Nature concert across parade. the street. Exactly. Yeah. Across the street from my high school during spring break. So again, was not... Um, probably not churning out the the, the greatest minds necessarily, yeah. but it was certainly a fun place to go to high school. And then Florida State for college. You played football? Didn't really walk basically played played high school. Played high school and, football. Uh, had a uh, played a lot of other sports and got all the way up to 270 pounds Big in dude. 270, really? Yeah, 270 with the wow. idea that me and my roommate were going to go play football. And it was 
uh, less, let's just, let's yeah. just say less than successful. <laughs> <laughs> so we ended up being, this is at our, Florida state yeah, though, right? Which is now a very successful college well, football. It's, it's the program. greatest. One of the I greatest. mean, okay, calm down. U- USC is the greatest. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 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 James Winston. Yeah. James Winston. Okay. Yeah. Florida state will give it top 10. Top 10. Yeah, top, 10. top 10. But yeah, so yeah. basically one of our roommates, uh, played and played very successfully and yeah. in another one. Uh, decided we were going to, you know, hit the 300-pound club yeah. and go walk on. And oh, nice. Basically walk on and walk off just fat. Why did you have to get so big to be a football well, player? You could have been a wide receiver. Yeah, I don't think we necessarily did. <laughs> You're I like, I'm think, just going to get as big as I can. I think it was probably yeah. more in hindsight that we liked the idea of, yeah. of hitting 300 pounds. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm always... I mean, if you're at 270 already, which is Which makes no sense. Yeah, no sense. And now in hindsight, I look back and I'm like, what the? effort thinking yeah, about yeah, that, yeah, you know yeah. but we were dead set on this 300 pound mark and and our whole entire uh college career focused and centered around eating and, and drinking chocolate milk because mm. that was this this very dense source of so calories. it's true chocolate milk well is the way you ju- you're just <laughs> you know you're <laughs> yeah. like you go to Publix, which was yeah. our ralph right and you got a gallon of chocolate milk for 99 cents wow. and a gallon of chocolate milk had 3,000 calories. Yeah. So if you're sitting every day and you're thinking to yourself, I've got to consume 10,000 calories, you chug a gallon of chocolate milk, you're yeah. a third of the yeah. way there. Wow. Amazing. So, Amazing. Yeah, so again, not the... Uh, so you guys no, walk on? No, nah. Yeah, walk off. Yeah, it's just <laughs> yeah. fast. Did you ever so. make the team? Like, were you nah, ever on the roster? It was pathetic. It was yeah. it really, we were, we were, we were very efficient in the gym <laughs> and that was it, it, it. and then it, and then at that point also because you're just you're so big that yeah. even your functionality yeah. isn't functional you're 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 kind of walking up a flight i can't of imagine stairs. you're 300 pounds like this you're walking crazy. up a flight of stairs at 21 yeah. and you get to the top and you've got your hands on your knees yeah. so you sit there and you go Huh, this isn't that great. It wasn't so, a lean 300. It was no, I was just beastly. I mean, my, my inspiration every single day was watching uh, National Geographic. Mm. I, was gonna, I was thinking like Ronnie Coleman or oh, something. Oh, no, no, like, no, no, yeah. no. It's the silverback gorillas. Yeah. I would yeah, watch yeah. silverback oh, gorillas yeah. on National Geographic. I'm going to be one of those. That's what I thought. I defy, thinking, defy the laws of heaven. Yeah, I was, you know, and they would talk about them, you know, the silverback gorillas. Dope you know, animals. Blah, blah, blah. 500 yeah. pounds of muscle and sinew at only five foot nine. And I was sitting there going, if it's five nine three hundred or yeah. five hundred, I could certainly be six like, one five hundred. I'm gonna look damn good at six two three hundred. <laughs> so yeah, man. Oh, so look, we you know we all luckily make influencer mirrors weren't really around at that no, time. So yeah, you can no. check yourself and, out. And it was Florida in the nineties, yeah. so it was a it was kind of a different. World. And it's hard to be three hundred pounds with that humidity, just sweating shit off all the time. Like <sighs> you had was, to work hard. Like that's where the hard did, work man. came in. You did. You that's had where to, you built character. You had to work. Like, yeah. It was a yeah. job. And uh, now that I'm thinking about it, ten thousand calories a day. Is that what you said? Yeah, ten. Thousand calories what a day. The, how? Yeah, I mean, you know, you hear like. Uh, I mean, your body like, gets used to it at some point. And you hear these elite level athletes. Yeah. You hear uh, Michael Phelps, right? Yeah. Like the, the Olympian, the swimmer. Yeah. And he talks about it. He says, uh, you know, yeah. I 10,000, but that's like the, the But he's like fucking burning athlete. more. Right. That's yeah. the greatest athlete in the yeah. world. We yeah. were eating 10,000 calories of pizza and chocolate milk and yeah. watching Bomb. gorillas. It's going to catch up to you someday. So our level of athleticism left a lot to be desired. So, but what I did do when I was there well was uh, school. I, I actually um, excelled in school because I started to realize that um, there's certainly uh, some merit to academia, obviously, and, and merit to having good grades mm-hmm. because I saw how limited 
I would say my my college options were limited because of my GPA, but my SAT scores were really good. Mm-hmm. And Florida State and Florida were very favorable to local people who wanted to continue their. And education. besides, like wanting to walk on the football team, what else? Uh, what, like, what other motivation did you have to go to college? Like, what did you want to study? Uh, I always thought I was going to be a lawyer or a doctor. I didn't really know which one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was kind of one of those things where I remember my my mom and more and my dad also growing up thinking and saying, are you going to be a lawyer or a doctor? So there was never really a C. Right. It was either A or B and pick one and get to college. And I was actually uh, nutrition, so pre-med, like biological sciences, for the first couple of years. And then something clicked where I decided I didn't really want to do that. And then I saw the criminology major, which they said was a good uh, method by which to go to law school. <laughs> and I thought, okay, cool. Criminology sounds cool, yeah. which was actually really, really interesting because we got to meet – uh, FBI agents and Quantico agents and yeah. and uh, drug enforcement agents and police and sheriffs and go on ride-alongs and and see some really incredible stuff for for college students. So it was very eye-opening mm-hmm. and very very cool. And that actually made me really want to do law enforcement for a little while. And then was it you? I think he told me that he, he did security. Or I did security, did security for forever. Yeah. yeah. So that was so that was when I moved. So then moved to Los Angeles for law school and end up. You at, got in right after. Uh, so college. I actually graduated college in three years, okay. which was really cool, and I got some presidential academic fitness award, which was fitness. Yeah. Well, it was called academic oh, fitness. It was called everyone a silverback here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was called academic fitness. So I get this award for graduating three years yeah. with a high GPA nice. and, uh, ended up at school in Loyola, which was awesome. I'd mm-hmm. never been the campus. Mm-hmm. I completely blindly chose it. Uh, it was the only the only two schools I applied to in LA were Pepperdine and Loyola, and at that time, uh, Loyola is was was far higher than Pepperdine mm. on the rankings. Now I think they're very very close. No, I think right? I don't know. Yeah, it's just. I mean, I down. think it's always give or take yeah, now. Yeah. But at that point in time, Pepperdine was was not highly. It was newer. I think Pepperdine's newer. It's probably newer, and you know, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And and now I've obviously a little bit better being on the board of directors at Loyola. Yeah. Uh, I have a much better understanding how they grade mm-hmm. the schools for these U.S. News reports gradings. Um, so, but. Certainly at that point in time, Loyola had a really, really good reputation. So came out, threw everything in my pickup truck, uh, basically just hit the 10 and drove out here, got to Long Beach two days before school started and had no idea where I was going, had no idea where my first classes were. I mean, I really... Where were you going to live? Live with my dad in Long Beach, which was uh, an adventure, call it that. Uh, so commuted from Long Beach to L.A. every single day. Realized after wow. uh, six months. Yeah. Wow, it took you that long? Was it? Was it that traffic you No, no, no. Realized actually that I didn't have enough money to oh. live here was the realization. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I came out from Florida and I think I had 2500 bucks in my account. And you guys can imagine you have yeah. like three or four bad weekends and you've got like 80 bucks in oh, your account. Yeah. So you gotta only have, days, you gotta like only have good weekends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, exactly. it's done. so then I say, damn, I gotta get a job. Well, I'm, this is your first year of law school. This is my first year of law school. And, and I'm 270 pounds with zero discernible skills, except for the fact that I'm huge. Yeah. And, 
could move a lot of weight and and had been had been boxing and wrestling and and activities for a long time so uh, I'm at 24 hour fitness one day and I run into this guy while I'm benching, uh, who owns this very popular nightclub in LA and he offers me a job and that's how I started working at, uh, Las Palmas. Mm. So Las Palmas again, before your guys time was, was the hottest nightclub, one of the hottest nightclubs that's ever hit LA. It was complete madness. So I worked there for, for quite a few years and, um, that's actually as a bouncer, of, as a bouncer, security, yeah. then kind of head of security, then ran the door. What's the craziest story you have from that time? I mean, I have so many. <laughs> I, I wouldn't even know where Give to us a good start. One. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of it. There's a really good one with Suge Knight. Oh, oh. There's a great oh. one with Suge Knight. Was this like pre 1996? Yeah, uh, this, yeah, no, post 96. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, this story is actually funny. I'll give you the, the two minutes. So this is, this is a couple years later. And I'm working the front door with a really, really good friend of mine to this day named Matt Lavin. Mm -hmm. And Matt has just filmed, finished law school. And he's this young guy out of Kentucky, uh, you know, wearing his, his, his polo shirt with a collar up and standing at this super hot yeah. nightclub, just being the guy, you yeah. know, letting people in and not letting people in and yeah. doing the fake look at the guest list to yeah. see if people were right. on it, which of course no one ever believed you. You're looking at a blank piece of paper, you know, flipping through it saying, I don't see your name here. <laughs> so, uh, so we see Suge Knight and Entourage come pulling up and me and all the other bouncers, and we're all big human beings. So we see him. I mean, he's also up. a big human being. No, he's no? he's little, really, and and very Kentucky, like very just little and collared and nice. Suge and, Knight? No, no, no. Matt. I'm am saying Suge Knight is also. Suge is yeah, a he's a massive human being. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so we yeah. see him pulling up just this entourage of cars. And I look at all the door guys and all the bouncers yeah. and we're like, fuck that, right? Because we know <laughs> yeah. this is chaos yeah. anytime yeah. Shook comes in. So me and other door guys are like, uh, Matt, we're going to run inside for a minute. You just man the door. And he's like, okay, guys. <laughs> so he's standing there and, and we say, yo, if uh, anybody comes up, Shook or anybody, uh, don't let them in. And he's like, okay. He has no yeah. idea. So we're literally peering through the crowd. You didn't think his like life was on the line? Oh, 100% we did. Yeah, 100%. I was like, the only way he's not getting murdered is he just looks like this nice guy with right. his little polo shirt. He doesn't shirt know what he's doing, yeah. He has no yeah, idea he has no what he's idea. doing. And um, So he proceeds to kind of stand there and this, this entire entourage come up and they go, yo, we want to come in. We've got a table. And he said, uh, sorry, uh, are you on the list? <laughs> and the guy's like, yo, it's Suge Knight. And he's like, I'm sorry, Mr. Suge Knight. I don't see your name <laughs> on the Mr. list. Sorry, Mr. Sugar. So he's like, I don't see your name on the list. So the dude, the, the guy behind the guy that's talking to him is, is pointing in Matt's face, you know, saying, yo, if you don't let us in, this is not going to work out well for you, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> And and we're standing there, and we're we're actually standing back there, all wagering on whether or not Matt's going to get really beat up. Oh man! And he's kind of turning around, and we're all peering through. So, like profanity laced tirade for about five minutes, <laughs> with him clutching onto the clipboard for like like it was a bulletproof vest. Oh my God. And <laughs> and I think the only thing that saved his life is they just realized he he just this wasn't him pulling the the LA doorman card. This was him just having yeah. no idea who anybody was. Right, right, right. <laughs> and after about, yeah. after quite a few moments of, of truly tense and nail biting, uh, a 
nail biting experience. They just gave up and loaded into this fleet of cars and took off. So. Oh, he never got in. No way. In. So he yeah. stood his ground. Yeah. Yeah, it Good was amazing. Wow. I told Shaq he couldn't come in one time because he had white sneakers on. <laughs> that was pretty amazing. The biggest white sneakers you've ever seen. I mean, he's size what, 33? I don't know what Something he was, like but that. his feet were it's so big. 24, I think. And they just told me, is he really? <laughs> I think so. Uh, how do is you know that? I'm not, uh, maybe not. Dude, he's fucking massive. So they just told <laughs> me no sneaks. No one comes in with sneaks. And I was like, all right, no one comes in with sneaks. And then Shaq, Oh, it wasn't a joke. Like, he no, literally no, didn't no, know Shaq came up with the biggest white sneaks i've ever seen i was like oh i'm sorry man and it's always someone like way bigger yes yeah, never some little person <laughs> yeah, yeah. with white sneaks around yeah. like yo can't yeah. come in yeah, sorry yeah, yeah, yeah. size 23 by the just way just checked I, I was close that's almost two feet yeah yeah i his remember seeing his two feet. shoes just a massive human being and uh uh he's gotten bigger since then yeah he's uh, so big he's fuck you know who i just met recently Speaking of massive human beings, is uh, Christian Cairn Hodor from Game oh, of Thrones? Yeah. He's a DJ, isn't he? He's a DJ, but yeah. he's a big fan of our jewelry line, and he picked up a couple custom-made wolf rings, beautiful wolf rings with like yellow diamond eyes and topaz I've seen eyes. That one. Yeah, nice one. Man, actually, that, I saw your photo on Instagram with him. Yeah, that I remember dude, now. he is he's crazy. massive. Man. Really? He's another one. He put his his hand on my shoulder, and it made me feel just tiny and and. <laughs> immaterial and insignificant it was just a massive i mean you're no longer 270 so not even close yeah. so you uh intermittent fasting and and vegetarian diets will do that too you know? yeah. but yeah law school and uh worked as a bouncer and then finished law school and continued to do security and then did some executive protection some bodyguard work and that was that was some of the funniest years of my life and some really fun stories. But it was always just like a way to get by while you were in law school. You know, it was, it was, I don't know if it was necessarily, a, uh, in law school, certainly it was a way to get by. It was really the only way to survive because, mm. again, um, I wasn't going to wait tables at yeah. 260 or whatever it was. And uh, and I, I, I really, again, didn't have the skill set to do much else. And I didn't have the time to do much else because I was in school all day. So the only time I could work was nights. So right. it was either, you know, wait tables, which wasn't happening, you know, uh, bounce or, or be a stripper. And I never had stripper moves. So, yeah. At so, one point, did you ever start losing weight at one point or? I did uh, right at the last year of law school. I okay. think I did. I okay. trimmed down a little, not a lot. Intentionally? Yeah, because yeah. I was just so big, but yeah. I was still I was still large. Um, and then I started doing executive protection. And I started running uh, a couple other nightclubs and bars. I kind of cycled out of the executive protection. And then I worked at a bar with a gentleman uh, who then subsequently bought another bar. And while he was in escrow on that bar, um, the landlord tried to renege on the deal. And he picked me to be his lawyer for the arbitration. So picked me as a result of having no money. So there were no <laughs> other options except me. So you had already graduated yet? Passed the bar? I'd, I graduated. I'd passed the bar. Okay. I'd never stepped foot in a courtroom. I'd oh. never done anything legal. Yeah. And I did uh, arbitration against a, a, a fairly well-known lawyer. Yeah. And by a, a fortuitous turns of, turn of events and, and a minor miracle, we won. And this bar turned into a bar called Winston's, mm. which was made famous because of the Entourage, the TV show, okay. and some other very, very famous celebrity meltdowns and 
uh, TMZ moments. Mm-hmm. So, which and you were so he paid you an equity. So he gave me five percent of the bar because he couldn't pay me, and that was kind of the launch. And then that turned into a bar called Crown Bar, or we left that, or we kept that and moved it to a new location, which was Crown Bar. And Crown Bar was, um, you know, an immensely, immensely successful bar in West Hollywood that kind of allowed me to roll out of that and then start opening stouts and stouts and Morrison's and so you, this is like your first gig basically out of law school as a lawyer and yeah. you won the case but yeah. you didn't want to practice law well I didn't I never really wanted to practice law or or maybe let me qualify that statement I never wanted to practice law in the traditional sense I never saw myself walking in and clocking in um, and saying hi to a senior partner mm-hmm. and sitting at my yeah. desk and, and kind of what we were talking mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. earlier. There says just the, mm-hmm. are you the personality type that can sit and churn out an right. eight or nine hour day. And, right. and I never saw myself doing that. And I understood that that was not my strengths. Like right. I understood that my strength was not going to be sitting behind a desk, churning out um, legal briefs of, of an impeccable nature. I just knew I wasn't going to do it. So I think I was probably smart enough at that time to not think that I could do that and compete with the people who had no desire but to do that. Right. Makes sense. So, yeah. Did you enjoy the hospitality scene? I mean, like, obviously now you're, you're in it and we'll get into that, but when you were in that moment of, you know, being a security guard and then doing the you know all the other bars and whatnot did you enjoy that environment or was it just you liked the money you didn't really know what was next you were just kind of in the moment or or was there a master plan there certainly was not a master plan i mean i wish i I actually if there was something that i could look back at over the last 20 years and and you know, a lot of people say, I wish I'd done this differently. Right. I wish I'd done this right. differently. I definitely don't look at anything and say, I wish I'd done anything differently. You don't regret. No, but what I do wish, and this is something I subsequently, you know, tell uh, students when I talk to them and, and I try to definitely impart upon people. What I do wish I had was I tell people now, try to figure out how to have every single day uh, definitive action towards a definable goal, right? So that's something that I think is is very easy to understand. Definitive, yep. definitive action, definable goal. I wish at 24 or 5 I'd had a real definable goal and I'd work towards it, which I didn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I feel like for people like you and us, um, when, you're, when you are with that mindset of like not wanting to work for the man and like kind of just doing your own thing, it's hard to pinpoint what that is because you're kind of all over the place like you have i'm sure you had multiple different you know strengths and interests and passions that you probably was difficult for you to like pinpoint it is yeah and it and it is and then and then you get into the habit of i don't want to say it's like a survival mechanism but it is you get into the habit where you you're kind of uh eating what you kill so Mm -hmm. you're sitting there and you're you're doing this mathematical uh, rudimentary mathematical equations in your head saying my rent's three thousand bucks a month my student loans are 1200 my car's 500 uh to go out once a week and and drink patron is this Uh, so you sit there or this was a literal calculation (laughs) i made yeah i was sitting there (laughs) thinking at 28 if i make seven thousand bucks a month i live exactly where i want to live and Mm -hmm. how i want to live so you kind of you you could kind of pass an immense amount of time in that 
manner not really advancing necessarily um, as well as you could or should. Mm -hmm. uh, I got fortunate that I managed to get into the ownership at a fairly young age, which resulted in, you know, now having quite a lot of different assets. But you could certainly see where people, especially in the city of LA, kind of wake up one day and think to themselves, wow, I've spent a lot of time just living yeah. and and going through and the motion existing yeah. We're really just existing and right. you know, there's nothing wrong with it there's nothing wrong with waking up to this beautiful weather every day yeah. and getting in your nice leased car at your beautiful apartment and driving to your job that you don't really care about and and, and then it hits you it's like i'm not fulfilled you're not fulfilled and and you wake up and you're older too which is yeah. which is a really that combination that's a really <laughs> kind of interesting realization too you wake up one day at 40 and and you're thinking to yourself as accomplished as you might be uh, i think it's kind of human nature that we never truly feel accomplished uh and you, and you notice that even with some of these great historical ladies and gentlemen where you look at their life and you say she accomplished so much and she's so phenomenal and she did this and she did that she must truly look at her life and think to herself, I did it. I made it. I'm a success. I've, I've written my own book. But when you read enough biographies and autobiographies, you actually realize that most of these great individuals don't ever feel that they reached I kind of feel like potential. When they were first starting off with whatever they were doing, it might have not seemed too clear that like, or like, like reachable to even get to that point. But when they, every single time they hit that milestone, it's like, well, now I can go here and I can go here. Exactly. And like, it's just, it's a never ending loop of just like continuously. And, and you're never to, satisfied. That's yeah. other problem too. You, you know, there's certainly um, a lot to be said for people who, who are satisfied with their life. And I think that's also a product of Los Angeles. You know, that you know, if you go, when I go back to Florida and I see people, I see people that they may not be, um, as wealthy or, yeah, well they're not wealthy. Not. They're not, they're not necessarily even rich and they may not be, uh, overjoyed and ecstatic and, and so happy that they, they're screaming joyous right. yeah. all over their face, but they're very content. There's mm. a lot of people who are very content. They have their truck and mm. they have their boat. But can you on. also can you be ambitious and also content? Do you think like is that? A, I think it's a, really a, hard. Yeah. I think it's really hard because I think depending on your level of ambition, uh, your your ambition is fueled by a, a, in a lot of instances by non content. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean. You're not going to look at earlier. I think you you mentioned Ronnie Coleman, or mm -hmm. one of you guys did. You know, was right. eight time Mr. Olympia. Yeah. One of the to me one of the greatest strength athlete athletes and professional athletes of all time. Whether you believe bodybuilding's uh, you know athletic or not, I mean this this was truly one of the most genetically phenomenally gifted human yeah, beings. Yeah, if you haven't seen Ronnie time. Coleman, just Google him right just now. Just Google him. It's, it's incredible that even to this day, which is ten years later, no one looks yeah. like he did at his prime. Yeah. So, you know, you don't get to that level by being content. I mean, you yeah. there, you cannot you cannot achieve these levels of success uh, by having a nature that is satisfied with with mediocrity or even with uh, exceeding mediocrity. You mm -hmm. have to have this desire to be just bizarrely successful or bizarrely huge or bizarrely fast or Whatever it is. And I think a great example of that, like, as far as people go, is Jeff Bezos. I mean, like, this guy is worth whatever. After his divorce, let's say $100 billion, right? Like, richest man ever in the world, right? You know, recorded richest man in the world. 
And he's like, in his mind, he's probably thinking like, this is only just the beginning. Like, I'm just starting to crack the surface. Now I've, you know, dominated Earth. And I'm going to go to the moon. And then once I'm done with the moon, I'm going to go to Mars. And now once I have this, I'm going to do that. Like, I think once you, I think back to your question, Pat, of like, you know, can ambitious people be content? Or I don't think so. I think the answer is no. If it was a yes or no, I would say no. Because as you continue achieving more levels of yeah. success, you now think, Okay, I got to level 10. Now there must be, if there's no 11, I'm going to create 11. Yeah. If there's no, oh, I created 11, 12's next. Like now you become this person that's going to create new levels of success. To you, you're just accomplishing your goals, but to others, you're like, holy shit, like now you've set a new like yeah. bar, yeah. which is even higher. So now what we're doing is now we're comparing ourselves to all these multi billionaires of the world thinking, okay, we are very far from these people, right? Like, I guarantee you, most of us here sitting in this room are as successful as people were back in the 40s, 50s, and we're, we could be fine right now living the way we are, but we're not going to stop. Like, it's just not in us to be like, oh, yeah, we're good with what we're doing. Like, we'll just keep living. Like, you know, we could do everything we want to do, but that's not enough for us. Like, we're not living for that. We're living for, like, what can – it's not for me, at least, it's not about what I can do with my money. It's more so, like, what can I personally achieve just to prove to myself sure. I can get to wherever I want to get to. Well, we're always pushing extremes. Right. I mean, look at look at your mustache. I mean, your Beautiful. Mustache is, we got to post a photo of this mustache. Yeah, we'll post this photo. I mean, your mustache is pushing This is pushing the limits. Yeah, I mean, like, really you know, is. and I always tell people – Every mustache is a facial hair, but every facial hair is not a mustache, you know? I mean, it's truly, truly the definition of pushing it. And by the way, it looks beautiful on me, just for those that were wondering and can't see me. The reason we don't do video is so that you don't see how beautiful it is. It is looks. so yeah. good. Yeah. It is such a yeah, powerful... Somebody at work called me Mr. Mustachio. And I'm like, I like it. Yeah. I like this nickname that's hanging out. But on. going back to your point, it's, I yeah. think it's really interesting. Like right now, it's a, it's a hot topic. Uh, Kim Kardashian yeah. studying to be a She's a, a hot topic. Well, that too. But just in general, like uh, she's studying to be a lawyer. Like she's, she's after all the success she's had, it's a different type yeah. of ambition. It's a different yeah. type of... Like it's, she's not... I don't think she's doing it to make more money. I think she's doing it for other reasons, which is I mean, interesting. Yeah. I mean, she got like how many? She got so many people out of prison. Speaking of Kim Kardashian, I mean, look, I, the the thing I always Incredible. tell people, I've been very fortunate to to know a lot of um, uh, influential people and and celebrities and uh, high net worth individuals, and I mean fortunate in the ability to speak with them and learn from them and and understand what motivates them and. It's very interesting when you talk about this celebrity and celebrity profile. And, and the other day, or you know, someone was making a, a negative comment about uh, you know a, a, a individual similar to a, a Kim Kardashian, and uh, and I thought, and I actually responded that as as negative as that this individual person, whoever this is, might be to some people, mm -hmm. that person is in such a position of power. Yeah. Right. And I always think about it's funny, I would think about this Spider Man quote, you know, with great power comes great mm -hmm. responsibility, responsibility yeah. right? So I I remember thinking about it and as nurses just said, How many people has Kim Kardashian helped get out of prison? Yeah, or she has that platform. Rejoin uh join with their family yeah. or do and That's and impressive. Well it's what's impressive and what's really interesting about it is think about uh, you mentioned at the beginning, I'm on the board of charities, mm -hmm. and I try to do as much philanthropic mm -hmm. work as I can. Certainly, one is Adopt Together, right? Adopt Together. That's you know kind of our big our big push. Uh, Mental Health America, which is yeah. another one I'm going with Third Wave in Long of. Beach, right? Yeah, and uh, and then down to little little or kind of more granular regional charities like Project Paperback, mm -hmm, where mm -hmm. 
Uh, we go down in the skid row and hand out, you know, basic foods and toiletries. And that's the one with Natalie, bags, right? With Nat, yeah, no. with Nat, uh, Nat City, mm-hmm. and uh, and that one, for example, I always think about. I remember the first time they asked to do it at the brewery, mm-hmm. and I said, "Sure, you can do do whatever you want. If it's charity and it's a friend of mine, sure, I love it." But I remember, I actually remember looking at what they were doing and thinking. I don't really understand what everybody's doing here. Mm-hmm. There was a hundred volunteers. Yeah, they crazy. were packaging peanut butter sandwiches in a brown bag and, you yeah. know, toothbrush and water and, and fruit snacks. And, and it was this very kind of, uh, kind of joyous alacrity that they're, they're all participating in. And I kind of watched, I wasn't really a part of the first one, but I remember watching it and, and thinking, almost pessimistically in mm-hmm. hindsight you're you're all putting in this effort that's you're going to hand a brown paper bag to an individual they're going to eat the sandwich drink the water throw the bag away and all of your efforts are are, are kind of done mm-hmm. right so i remember thinking which is that, short-term thinking which is short-term but i remember thinking the roi right? sustainability so i revert yeah. back to this kind of right. business evaluation and i go right. the roi on that's just not great mm. right so then, or like opportunity, like what else could you be doing with that time yeah, to like yeah, make a bigger anything, impact? Anything, yeah, right? Yeah. So then I think, but of course, there's a counter argument to what you said. But well, this is yeah. here's a counter argument, yeah. which is which is really funny. So then we go downtown and we start handing these these paper bags out, and I really clearly remember handing this paper bag to this gentleman, and he opened the bag, and he said hey, do you have another? My wife is in the tent. And I said, yeah, of course. And I gave him another one. And he opened the zipper and handed it to his wife. And then he cracked a bottle of water and drank it. And he just looked so happy, right? Mm -hmm. And then he looked at the sandwich and he said, what is this? And I said, peanut butter. And he said, oh, peanut butter is my favorite, right? So he had this look of, it was a hot day, he got a bottle of water. He had given his wife one. He was eating his favorite sandwich. And I thought if all of our efforts were for that one guy, for that There's one enough, guy to yeah. actually change his day and start his day on the right foot. And it made me think of this story. Uh, this story. Do you guys know the starfish story? Mm, I don't think so. So starfish story. I'll keep it super short. Yeah. Little kid walking along the beach. and um, I think you've told me this. Yeah, I probably told you this. And... He stops and he's throwing starfish that have washed up onto the beach back into the ocean. And this older gentleman is walking along and he stops and he says to the kid, what are you doing? And the kid says, I'm throwing these starfish back in the ocean before the sun comes up and kills them. And uh, the older gentleman points to the beach and he says, there's thousands of them. You can't make a dent in this. What are you hoping to achieve? How how are you going to make a difference? And the little kid picks up one of the starfish throws it back in the ocean and says, well, I made a difference to that one. And that always kind of resonated mm, with yeah. me. And then this made me realize that that one, that one gentleman and his wife were enough to, to justify all hundred people's efforts for three hours. Cause yeah. it, cause it materially changed his life. It made him happy in a way that we take so for granted, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and a bottle of water. I'm down to go a little deeper with this just because I feel like it's a cool topic. But 
You know, that's a, that's a great story, obviously, both the paper bag one and the starfish one. And I think that, you know, you always hear this phrase that, you know, one man can change the world or whatever. One woman can change the world. One person can change the world, right? And you know, when you look at it, you're like, yeah, technically, like, that's impossible. But what I'm thinking when you're telling me that story about that homeless man in Skid Row is that you might have changed his po- – like, you made his morning – more positive sure right so that positive attitude is going to carry with him throughout the day think about it for us we wake up in the morning and we do something that makes us feel good and the rest of our day is positive but if we wake up and something wrong happens or something bad happens then it carries with us the entire day yeah and so now our negative energy is passed on to the people that we go around sure and then it passed on to those people right there's there's a domino effect yeah it's a butterfly think, effect right? and i think with positivity it's even more a parent where if I'm positive, I'm going to hang out with Pat and I'm going to bring this positive attitude and now he's going to be, you know, just positive and the people that he interacts with are going to be positive and slowly that one starfish can become a hundred starfish, sure. right? Sure. And so yeah. I don't think that the impact is only for that one person. Right. It If that one person is impacted, they are going to impact more people, which in turn are going to impact even more people, right? It's just like this exponential effect. Sure. And so, you know, it's so applicable to everything, whether it's positivity or mental health or just even when you're working hard. Like if I see him working hard, I'm going to be like, okay, I should work hard too. And now he's going to work harder. It's like, it's not competition. It's more feeding, feeding off of each other's energies. Sure. And I think people, I think in this society, we lack that because we're always so focused on ourselves. Yeah. But I think that if we did make, if we just were a little bit more conscious of the fact that what we do and say and, you know, feel has a bigger impact on other people than we think. Which is yeah. free, by the way, and doesn't take up much time. Nothing at all. You're living right. at yeah. the same time. I mean, so. it's easy. It's not even it's free. Easy. Yeah. It's, it's easy. easy. It's yeah. easy. You don't have to do anything. spend anything as a gift for somebody. It's literally... It's effortless. So, I mean, I don't I don't know. I don't really know why I like, went on that well, rant. Yeah. But, like, I, I mean... No, I, I think when, your point... You're totally right. Yeah. Your point's well taken. Yeah. And it, it always makes me think... Do you guys remember the secret, that whole... Uh, this power of positive thinking mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm. secret and it turned into um, what was the word they used to always manifesting right? yeah it turned into this whole spin-off of manifesting yeah. and I remember I'd read all the books I'm like I'd really try to read as mm-hmm. much as I can so I read all the books if you guys go downstairs in my house right now there's there's a bookshelf and and there's multiple bookshelves but one of them is full of every single kind of power of positive thinking yeah. from 1912 wow. all the way to Eckhart Tolle to, you know yeah. the secret all of these kind of thought leaders in the space and it's funny because there was certainly a time where I I really prescribed to this thought process and not to say I stopped prescribing to the thought process, but I maybe for myself, I demystified this thought process, right? Because I think what was very smart for the secret and some of these other individuals and writers was they made it feel like this esoteric mystical knowledge, right? So they made it like, Oh, it's it's like they came up with something crazy. Yeah. It's a secret, right? It was the the greatest marketing employee outside of the the dairy, the dairy market, (laughs) which we'll get into and and, uh, all the other stuff that we were talking about before uh, we started recording. But there was this marketing plan that was so genius. It was a secret. And if you knew about it, you would have riches and fame and everything your heart ever desired. But then I just really, I remember thinking about it after I'd really read about it and thought about it and kind of distilled it down and, and really delineated down to its core. And I came up with a thought that was at least original for myself. And that thought process was, if I do nothing whatsoever, except on a daily basis, I approach everything with an air of positivity. 
right? So I get on the phone with a potential client and I'm positive and I envision getting off the phone and getting that client. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I go to a potential meeting or a fundraising meeting and I have a positive air and I envision uh, raising the money that I need for this project. Or I go to a charity meeting and I envision raising the money that the charity needs. And like genuine positivity. And genuine positivity, absolutely. Yeah. Not manufactured, like, no, oh, I'm feeling great yeah. today. I want to yeah. I I yeah. clarify, though, what, what do you mean by positivity here? Because so, I feel like a lot of people, are, you know, they, they think of positivity as something different. Sure, so. sure. So I think I mean, when I say positivity, I mean trying to be genuinely selfless in your aspiration of what you're trying to achieve so yeah. not sitting there thinking uh necessarily what this is going to do for me yeah but what do thinking, i gain? yeah but thinking yeah. being happy genuinely happy and thinking what is this going to do for the project that i'm working on mm -hmm. what is this individual going to do for the charity that we're trying to raise money for what is this individual going to do for um my client or yeah. or what can my client what can this meeting do for my client that I'm positive about and positive reinforcement and telling this client, look, you can be the greatest actor in the world, the greatest singer in the world, the greatest developer in the world, the greatest podcaster in the world, whatever yeah. of this very diverse group of clients. And, and you can really see how the meeting with you can dictate and draw the roadmap for yeah. the rest of that person's day and week and month. Right. You know, so. I had read somewhere and sorry to cut you off, but yeah. I read somewhere and I, I'm probably butchering this. It's, it wasn't word for word, but it was something like you know, positivity. Being positive doesn't mean that every day is going to be great and you're always going to be happy. It just means that when there are tough days and dark days, those good days are going to come. Not yeah. like believing that those days, yeah. good days are going to come. It's like being look, like forward looking and like you know what's the word? Um, like. Knowing that good days are going to come. Yeah, yeah. thinking yeah, long you're term. Just, and then, you're like, optimistic. Exactly. Optimistic. Yeah. There you yeah. go. So, yeah. And, and yeah. look, I, it's funny for me. People always say you're never in a bad mood. You're always even. That's not true. Temperament or even yeah. balanced <laughs> temperament, right? And it's not. Look, it's not true. Mm -hmm. I, the difference is you just won't see me and yeah. say, oh, he must be really in a bad or something horrible must have happened. Because, right. again, I kind of look back at this secret, this power positive thinking, this manifest your wishes distill it down to, to something that I can relate to and I can quantify. And what I can quantify is if I walk into a meeting and I have a bad attitude, that meeting cannot go well. Mm -hmm. it, it, For anyone. Can, it yeah. cannot go well, right? Yeah. No. So I can either walk into the meeting with a good or a bad attitude. I can walk into the uh, charity fundraiser with a good attitude or a bad attitude. I can walk into the pitch with a good attitude or a bad attitude. And I can tell you that unequivocally, if I walk in with a good attitude, my results will be better. Mm -hmm. So am I manifesting something no. better? Not really. I'm yeah. not, you know, I'm not using again some some esoteric knowledge yeah. that 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 only I possess or 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 the power of magnetism or whatever it is that, that we we love yeah, deciding vocabulary well, we love to labeling it. stuff, right? Yeah. Because yeah. think about it, if we label it, we can sell it. Right. right? If we sure. don't label exactly. it, we can't sell like it. Like fucking Tony Robbins, anyways. Yeah. Well if we if you don't label what you're doing, you can't yeah. monetize right. it. Motivational right. speaker. It's like, no, you just fucking do you. Yeah, you're, <laughs> and you're good at doing you. Yeah, and you're good at the message of right. do you, and you're right. good at the message of 
get up and break yeah. your bad habits, yeah. right? If I lie in bed when I wake up, I mean, I just try to simplify this stuff. If I lie in bed when I wake up and look at Instagram, like what is, what's inevitably going to happen, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. looking at a bunch of pictures that people post of themselves in their best possible light, right? right? So no one's posting a picture of their car payment is 28 days late, yeah. that they're trying to just avoid a 30 day late in a credit, they're posting a picture of their convertible BMW, right? Mm -hmm. Think about it, right? So yep. no one's posting a picture. We come up with these scenarios. Yeah, just, we're just human just beings. Thinking, right, yeah. so so if my- Because person, nobody wants to post a negative shit because now you're spreading negative energy. Well, no one wants anybody to think they're like- Especially, right. especially if your mindset is positive, you're gonna create a positive yeah. scenario out of everything you see because totally. that's just like, naturally oh, you have a 28 day bill, it's okay, yeah. it could've been yeah. 45. Yeah, it could be, it could be worse. <laughs> Day late and yeah, exactly. No, but I'm saying, like, looking at the car, I mean, like, wow, like, that's, yeah, they, yeah, you know, exactly. they must be doing well. But think about it. Yeah. But the majority of people, myself included, as much as our intentions might be to, to be very positive all the time, if I'm having a bad month and I wake up <laughs> and I spend the first hour of my day looking at people's flashy yeah, cars no, and their Aruba vacations, yeah. I'm kind of looking at myself going, what the fuck am I doing? I'm a fucking failure. Life, right? So yeah. <laughs> now, correspondingly, uh, if I wake up and I spend the first hour of my morning uh, doing 10 minutes of headspace meditation, 20 minutes of reading The Power of Positive Thinking or Think and Grow Rich or, or one of these uh, just, just quintessentially brilliant books, and then the next half hour casually reading my emails and, and just kind of opening myself up for the day, mm. my day is going to be much better. Yeah. It's just going to be a better day. Yeah. I remember I remember telling nurses this one one time when I first met you and, and, and knowing like all the different businesses and things you're involved with, like how calm and collective you are. Like it's insane. Like how I don't even know how you like manage all those things, but I definitely want to get into all that stuff because with Azunia like, Tequila. That with oh yeah, <laughs> I gotta, really I gotta good, actually right? take it. Take Someone it should just hire me to be a full time like no, no, just like to throw in ads. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> like every it. 10 minutes, just I'll, I'll somehow find a way. I'm a whiskey guy, but oh, we'll do this. Let's do it. This is very close to whiskey. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, it's the, the aging process. So, uh, Charlie, while we're it's looking good, right? and talking tequila, Great. I want to quickly gloss over all the business ventures and then get back into all the sure. practical stuff. So, for those that have lived in LA, you've 100% seen a stout burger. Yeah. You guys have locations in Studio City. Hollywood, Santa Monica, Santa Monica, Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky, Nashville, Nashville, Tennessee, and then Dude, you have Palm Springs. Palm Springs coming up. Cupertino, Cupertino. By and now Apple. we're we're looking at a Vegas potential Vegas potential location Vegas, nice. and some other some other really cool non traditional nice. retail locations. Nice. Yeah. And then you have uh, the Morrison Pub in Los so Feliz, Morrison, and then uh, which was rated like one of the best. Yeah, it was like the number bars. three restaurant in the country on Yelp. Yeah, That's amazing. And it's amazing. It is, it is, it is great. great food. Yeah. yeah, it's a great product. Great food, yeah. great location. Oh, your your banana pudding. Yeah, the bread pudding. Oh, the bread pudding. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so yeah. good. And then we yeah. have a lot. We have you know fourteen restaurants and bars. Yeah. We have our brewery, brewery and arts shop. district. We have a new one that I'm super excited about. It's called Third Wave Market. Yeah, you, you touched yeah, yeah. on it briefly. That's yeah, I, the, I remember going there during the construction, construction. with Meta and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the uh, that's our vegetarian, vegan, probiotic based tech lounge that uh, is done in conjunction, partnership with Mental Health America, Microsoft, and the City of Long Beach. So <laughs> super, super exciting. Uh, we've got this proprietary mobile ordering system that I think is going to really blow people away. And I like to say that we're going to be the first restaurant with a full-time podcasting booth in the restaurant. So people... So it's going to be a restaurant and a market? 
what's a we call it third wave market so it'll have some market oh, elements i see but it's mostly like more like grab and go yeah grab and go like a coffee gotcha. market but what i'm really excited about is we're going to invite guys like you and you guys are going to come down and do an episode of the founder mm. hour yep. from third wave market That's which i think is super dope yeah you know? Love it. um it's kind of the idea was this um, and the space is awesome space is amazing yeah, it's beautiful. And the idea with was this uh marriage of old old world coffee shop with new world technology, but still with the idea of the coffee shop being the, the, the center of the dissemination of information, like the, the spreading of ideas. Because if you look, you know, hundreds of years ago, people met at tea shops and coffee yeah. shops to talk about everything in the world. Yeah. And, and we want to say, hey, uh, you know, I was, I was use Starbucks as an yeah. example. You know, people, nurses hate Starbucks. Well, yes, I mean, he does. You can't hate what they've built, though. Like, exactly. And that's what I say. I, mean, I, I like built. their business. Yeah. Obviously, they've done well. I wouldn't mind being the CEO of Starbucks, but I don't like their <laughs> coffee. It's very simple. I mean, the product isn't what they're known, that known best for. It's, yeah, like I mean, you said, the ambiance, yeah, being yeah, there and meeting people. You, you meet people at yeah. Starbucks to talk everything to talk life to talk politics to talk business to talk you know whatever it is and they've made this environment that's very conducive to it and nurse shakes his head <laughs> and, I, and i get it look you could we we owned a coffee a, shop yeah. for a while and we we have a coffee shop yeah. now and and you know it's a very interesting balance because you're always sitting there going how comfortable do you make that coffee shop you're right always up. balancing dollars and that's the problem sets. like somebody like some some company like starbucks now is like you just see people that are, that are there like all day Right, it, it no longer like the reason it started, and you know, I've like Howard Schultz's story of how he was inspired when he went to Italy. It was the whole, the goal wasn't to have people sticking around there all day, right? All day, right? It was more like get your coffee, hang out 30, 40, 50 minutes, 60 minutes, talk to your neighbor, your colleague, whatever, and right. get out of there. Now right. it's like you go there, it's like people are living there. I Which is great because I mean, if, as long as you're living there, you're gonna have to drink and eat. But they're so. not doing that. But that's what's the doing. weird thing is they're having a. I saw this guy the other day. I was just at the one. Where was I? I was in La Brea, the the reserve. Beautiful, beautiful mm-hmm. location. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was this guy, and he had this elaborate, um, uh, just configuration setup. He had like its portable standing desk. desk. Yeah. A standing desk yeah, with this computer like, and a coffee on it and and, and a light and and just all claimed his territory. It was crazy. Yeah. I was looking at it thinking, I just don't even know how you get that that comfort yeah. level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like the culture. There's someone anymore. just like that in my gym, which is pretty crazy. We can get another, really? that another day. Yeah, <laughs> he literally comes with this full on desk and puts it on a on a, on a stretching mat. And just his there for hours, oh, just so on his weird. computer. Somebody's got to kick that guy out. Somebody's got to kick that him out. Someone should beat him yeah. out. Yeah. It's an LA finish. Some, some people need to. Yeah, <laughs> I, won't, I won't continue that sentence. But anyways, but yeah. so you're working on all these projects. I mean, I, I, Pat asked you before, how do you manage your time? Uh, the time management is is very difficult. Um, it's very difficult. It's it's actually interesting. Someone said something to me the other day that resonated with me. They said, you have this mentality. Um, I, I had sent a contract to someone. They said, yeah, I got the contract at four in the morning. Yeah. And and I thought, how the hell did this guy send me a contract at four in the morning? And I said, well, I was up. And he said, well, obviously, I got the contract at four in the morning. And he said, why would you be up at four in the morning? I said, because I told you I would send you the contract today. Yeah. And I said, now, granted, I didn't send it today because it was technically the next morning, but you woke up to the contract in your inbox. And he said, yeah. He said, did you think I would be mad if I didn't get it? And I said, not necessarily mad, but 
if I told you you would have the contract, I thought maybe you would be disappointed. And he said, just for the record, I wouldn't have been disappointed. And you should think about that rather than staying up till four in the morning. So it was an interesting thought process. But for me, I don't really know. Uh, and by the way, it's not just the restaurants that you mentioned. I mean, you have a law firm, right? Right. So you have, you have other projects too. Yeah, we you have, know, have a couple of really interesting yeah. tech companies that right. I'm super excited about. I'll, yeah, so we'll talk, all in all, like, so, are we talking like, like besides, I mean, like including all the stout locations on, so are we talking like 10 different businesses or oh, more? more? Yeah. So, 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 so the yeah. last <laughs> part of this podcast will be about the tech companies and the more of the what's the future of stuff. Okay, sure. cool. We'll get there. So we'll get yeah. there. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so look. So basically, you don't manage so, your time. So I, yeah, time. yeah. <laughs> as best it's as you can. it's a tricky time yeah. management proposition, and you kind of do the best you can. Right. And, and uh, look, I've I've I'm fortunate enough to have a couple really good people on the legal side now who can pick up where um, where I might not necessarily be able to anymore. Yeah. And um, there's also some really good people on the restaurant management side, um, and there's some really good people on the tech side. So I think at this point. I'm fortunate enough to have um, a support system and a team around me that enables this uh, visual of yeah. of um, this system that works and is synergistic and and seamless. But it's really not. This, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, it's all about finding the right people, right? And then partnering with them and empowering them yeah, to do their and best empowering work. People, and, which is which is hard, yeah. which is hard for everybody, including me. And it's hard for your clients to get used to mm-hmm. it. You know, it's very. Your clients don't want to. Meet They're used with, to dealing with yeah, you. They yeah. don't want to meet with anybody other than you. And yeah. and I can say that unequivocally because I know when I have a professional service person and they try to, you know, jokingly I say, but not really pawn me off on someone else. I'm like, I don't want to meet him. Yeah. I want to meet her. Mm-hmm. I don't want to meet you. I want to meet this gentleman. So mm-hmm. so we're we're not comfortable with new people and new situations and and it's especially because you build the brand almost that is your brand yeah right it's not like yeah. you know even though you have all these companies at the end of the day there's the charles loop brand like you know you are the face of it yeah it's hard so to distinguish it is hard to distinguish right. it and so i think a part of it is just you almost accept it and you just run with it yeah yeah, you, you accept that you run with it, and you, again, you surround yourself by good people. It's almost like if you're trying to do more than that, you're fighting something, and it's going to spend, it's going to take, it's going to, you're going to spend more money doing it, you're going to waste more time doing yeah. it, clients are going to be unhappy doing it, so why not just double down on, okay, this, this is the brand, this is who I am, Yeah, and this is what we're going to do. Yeah, and it's always a learning experience, yeah. too. I yeah. think the other important lesson for all of this is... You just never stop learning. You never stop learning about yeah. yourself, your own capabilities, yeah. your own limitations. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's certain certain things I do that I surprise myself uh, in a in a positive yeah. way. You know, I churn out a piece of work or an article for Forbes or um, you know a, a a thought or an idea that I think, wow, I'm I'm actually inspired and excited and happy that that originated within my head, and then. At the same time, you do stuff sometimes that you, for lack of a better way to put it, you disappoint yourself. Yeah. Where you look at it and you go, you know, this is not in keeping with my prior uh, work product. This is, you know, antithetical to my kind of morals, values, and ethics. This is this. So you're you're always learning. which is also a learning. Yeah, yeah you're saying. always learning about yourself, and and I think that's super important is to be know a student of the world but also a student of your own evolution mm-hmm. within the world mm-hmm. 
So, Charlie, I know that, you know, again, like we mentioned with all this stuff, you have even more going on that we haven't talked about yet. And one one interesting thing that I heard about probably a couple of days ago, but I want your take on it. And it's semi-political, but not really political, could get political, is there's a bunch of these companies, specifically one I heard was Sweetgreen, which I, I love Sweetgreen. Yeah. One of my favorite, probably one of my favorite concepts product. ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, I've been, me and Pat have been both like advocating them for them to come on the east side because they're always on yeah. the west side. And on our podcast, we're going to. Yeah. And on our podcast. We're we'll, we'll get we, we're, they actually hit us up saying they want to come on the nice. podcast, so we'll get them. Um, and there was this discussion about, uh, and it kind of has to do with technology as well, is that a lot of these companies, restaurant companies, or even tech companies are moving away from cash, right? Right. And Sweetgreen, for example, doesn't take cash. And there's so many other restaurants that don't either. Yeah. And an interesting argument that I heard today was because they're trying to segregate against the lower income uh, folks who primarily carry cash because they can't afford to carry debt on their credit cards. Hmm. And I found that super interesting because I didn't consider that before. Obviously, I'd heard of cashless restaurants and they were talking about concepts like Bird and Uber and all these new technologies that is all credit card based. Hmm. It's all payment based. There's no cash. So it got me thinking like, wow, that's that's an incredible like, you know, thought because I hadn't really considered it. And so I want to, as somebody who's in hospitality, as somebody who's in tech, I want to kind of see your take on that and what you think about that subject. I mean, that's an incredible thought. And I hadn't heard that. Yeah. Um, and I think I would be, you know, I would obviously be very, very hopeful that if there was uh, a discrimination or a discriminatory effect, that it was wholly unintentional, mm-hmm, right? I mm-hmm. mean, obviously, none of us want to think that in 2019 there's, um, explicit discrimination mm-hmm. based on Income. socioeconomic or racial or, right. or, or any of these classes. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know. It's actually a really interesting thing, and I'm going to get out of this podcast and go read about it <laughs> yeah. because I don't know. Yeah. Um, as and- far as cash as a whole uh, in the hospitality business, it it has been um, marginalized to such an extent that your cash sales are, are truly a, a very, very small fraction of your overall sales period now. Um, and I think there is only going to increasingly um, shrink. It, it's going to continue to shrink. Uh, no one really wants to carry cash. I mean, I, I fought it for a long yeah. time. I was like cash guy. I always wanted to walk around with, yeah. with a nod of cash just because it gave me this comfort level that I had cash. And now there'll be times where I'll come out of, you know, Soho house or wherever I am and I'm digging around in my pockets yeah, trying to find valet. 10 bucks for the valet guy. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's, it's only going to increase now. What, what you're talking about makes me think of some of these fast food restaurants where mm-hmm. they talk about the lower socio, uh, these lower socioeconomic, uh, regions and geographies, which also unfortunately happen to have a, a predominantly higher, um, certain racial demographics are, mm-hmm, are mm-hmm. predominantly higher in these uh, lower socioeconomic uh, neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And then you find this over-concentration of certain fast food restaurants. And then you can look at that and track that back to higher incidence of heart disease mm-hmm. and, obesity, and high cholesterol yeah. and obesity and all mm-hmm, these other mm-hmm, things. Mm-hmm. So... I, I certainly think there is 
targeting and data gathering and data analysis that is used for nefarious reasons. For sure. Um, I hate the idea, but I, I think we'd all kind of be, you know, an ostrich yeah. defense mechanism with our head in the sand mm-hmm. to think that that's not what's going on. Mm-hmm. But it's it's actually a pretty disturbing thought, yeah. you know, that you even brought up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, I, I literally heard about it a couple of days ago and I was like very fascinated yeah. because I was thinking all of these new technology companies, they don't work off of cash. Yeah. You yeah. know, unless you have like credit you can't use Uber. Yeah. You know, you can't you you can't swipe anywhere. You can't Venmo anything unless you have cash. And that's why these all these lower socioeconomic regions that we have even in LA, you know, they have all these like cash advance places where yeah. you know, because again, people cannot afford it. And then right? charge extortionate levels. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Oh, right. And penalties right. And, it's, and, no, and it's no. crazy because I was and it, it, this really fucked me up almost because it got me thinking like we're moving so fast with advancing technology. And yet we're leaving behind a pretty big, you know, percentage of the population who can't afford any of this new technology, right? Like we're fortunate enough to live in, you know, you know, the West Side and, you know, Glendale and all these places that there's single family residences and you see all these beautiful establishments and you have birds and limes and Ubers and whatever. And now that's become like when I think about it, like that's a luxury. Yeah. Right. You can't unless you can carry credit. You can't you can't pay for any of those services, yeah. and yet we're moving towards an almost hundred percent automated, hundred percent like technological, you know, robotic like you know te- time. Right. And so, what happens to everybody else? Like, is it survival of the fittest, but in new technology, or is it are are, are there going to be companies that say no? Like these folks also deserve an Uber type product. But cash only, right? right? Like, I don't know. I really don't know. And that really got me thinking like, holy shit, there's so much. And it, it kind of sucks that I thought about it this way. But there's so much business opportunities, but in more so a social entrepreneurship way for the that's, lower That's the thing about social entrepreneurship, folks. though. It's like, yeah. I think there's a lot of people who want to go into that and yeah, you know, I mean, do, I think it's do great. great things. I think but, it's great. But from a business perspective, it's tough to I think, make sense of it. I think it's easier ways. to scale, though. I think it's easier to scale because there's there's always going to be an income inequality. There's always going to be a big gap between the rich and the poor, especially in the United States, yeah. with our tax and how it's set up. But there's always going to be that. Whether the, why, a lot of people think it should it should just be purely like taxpayer money and government. Obviously, that that can't happen. So I think it's it's a combination of. I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's an alliance. If yeah. anything, like I don't think one person can really make as much of an impact as obviously having no, multiple, no way, yeah. multiple companies coming together for an initiative yeah. or something where they can all be like, yeah, we're passionate about this. Yeah. Let's all come together, put our resources together, yeah. put money together, and then tackle this, whether it's mm-hmm. spinning off a separate company or something else. Like, yeah. But it's just like, it's you don't see it happen often because from a business perspective, it's hard to make mm-hmm. sense of someone going into like, as an entrepreneur going into like purely social entrepreneurship, but you're catering to a crowd that can't afford to really afford any you know much so it's like how do you make a business out of that sure. it's tough and i think that's the reason right but yeah. i do think yeah. that this is going to be a big issue in the future and in the very near future For i think sure. it's going to be an issue that is going to be ad- needs to be addressed by politicians or like government in general yeah. because you know we've you know climate change is going to be there and you know 
apparently abortion is a thing again. But all these issues are going to constantly be there. But I think, you know, we, we were meeting with uh, Robert Egger like a year ago, and he was talking about elder tech and like just elder, like, um, you know, gerontology in general and like Which the older population. fascinating. Right? It's going to be a huge industry. Yeah. Right? Like it's going to be massive. Like, you know, once we get to 40, 50, 60 years old, we're still going to use our phones. Right. But we're going to be in a very different like time of our lives. Right. right? So how do you tackle that? Anyways, speaking of technology, I know that you have um, several companies that you're working on. One specific is Veritil. Right. So tell us a little bit about Veritil. So Veritil is something that we call a regulated industry audit system. So essentially what Veritil does is Veritil allows cities and municipalities to audit cannabis sales in a non-invasive, non-burdensome way. Mm. So basically... Cannabis sales were, were kind of this, this um, shining beacon of hope for cities, right? So cities looked at it and they said, hey, if we legalize yeah. marijuana, we're going to solve all of our financial problems. Right. Speaking and, of cash only. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so what yeah. they subsequently found out is it wasn't that easy, right? So it wasn't that easy for a couple reasons. It wasn't that easy because um, the gray market, non-permitted cannabis dispensaries obviously aren't paying taxes or not obviously maybe some of them do but for the most part they're not paying taxes right then the cities come and they say well how do we permit and license dispensaries is it a first come first serve is it a merit-based system Mm -hmm. is it uh, a social equity system Mm -hmm. what they've all kind of arrived at is this is it's everything Mm-hmm. It's a merit-based system. It's a first in line and it's a social equity, or at least the city of Los mm-hmm. Angeles. Um, subsequently, what's happened is there's a huge number of people who want to open dispensaries. There's a smaller number of people who open dispensaries. There's a undeterminable number of dispensaries that are legal and there's a city trying to figure out how the hell to get paid on all of it. Mm-hmm. What we did was there's a state system called Metric. Metric is this uh, very well-marketed seed-to-sale technology. It's got this great sound, seed-to-sale. Oh, that sounds totally sensible, yeah. right? So you're going to track from a seed to the sale. Mm-hmm. When I think about that, I think about my brewery, for example. So if you came to me at my brewery and you said, what's your sales tax? And I said, well, here's my sales. Here's the tax. Check, written cash it. Thank you. If you came to me and you said, we don't believe that that's your sales, or even we do believe, but we're auditing it. We want to see your hops to your sales. Then I would sit there and I would say, well, that's going to be tricky because just for, for, to make this simple, simple, to simplify, simplify this entire process. If I have a hundred pounds of hops, and this is not the process, but just so listeners and and everybody understands, if I have a hundred pounds of hops and maybe of that hundred pounds, 98% makes it into the the mash turn. And then there's there's a couple percent lost. And then 95 pounds makes it into the fermenter and 92 pounds makes it into the the um, barrel into the kegs and then we give three pounds away for charitable events so now you're left with like 85 percent exactly and then if the city was really tracking hops to sale the city would come every single month and say you're stealing 15 pounds of hops Mm. right 
same thing. Mm-hmm. Because they don't know, obviously, the process. They just don't know the process. They don't have the desire to learn. Yeah, they're the not process. in that business. And even yeah. if they did, it's just too much work to like yeah. track everything. It's not just your brewery. Yeah, it's like, imagine yeah. trying to. Yeah, audit. what a disaster. Yeah, yeah. imagine me no. trying to say, well, a brewer from yeah. Angel City or a brewer from uh, Mumford came by and, and picked up a handful of hops in his hand and I estimate it was a half a pound. Yeah. They'd be like, the fuck are you talking right. about? Right. I mean, right? If, if if there's like a red flag and you're getting audited, then it's like, okay. But like, right. they're not going to do that for every business. They yeah. can't, right? No. They don't have the manpower or the no. resources. So our system said, look, we don't really care about seed to sale. What we care about is what's reported at the bottom line and does it make sense? So we basically have this POS agnostic plugin that goes into the POS and reports in real time. And POS is point of sale, point of sale system. system. So it yeah. go and it reports in real time, which is very unique, mm. every single sale to the municipality. And the municipality can sit in their office, be it city hall, uh, police department, city manager, city attorney, and they can actually drill down into individual council districts, individual neighborhoods, and even down to individual dispensaries, and not only look and see the sales, but they can actually use a program for predictive modeling and predictive analytics, mm-hmm. and then start to understand what kind of sales they might expect for the following year and the following year. So when they start thinking about municipal spending, they can do it based on some real analytics. And because it's such a highly regulated space, I'm assuming the dispensaries and whoever is on that side, not the government side, is open to that because so the dispensaries yeah. were really interesting. So some of the dispensaries at first were extraordinarily opposed to it. They were, yeah, they were like, we don't we don't want to at be, first yeah. at first thing it's like oh well yeah it's big like I don't brother. want them to exactly right? so in the brother. beginning yeah. it's this this horribly uh, uh, intrusive burdensome big brother but it's over not their shoulder but it's not and yeah. this is this is my last meeting with a group of dispensary owners was you're going to get audited. It's, it's happening, yeah. right? So you can either have us auditing you where you will never see us, or you can have some guy standing in the corner literally clocking your store. Seat to sale. Si- yes. Yeah, right? at that point. So, so yeah. what and, to, you, and perhaps like fucking you over. Yeah, if oh. anything, you're like they're like... Like, it's up to their mercy. Like, it's, you're like in their shining hands. armor here. We really like, are. Yeah. And, that, yeah. and that's the thing that, that now people are starting to understand. People are starting to understand that that we are a very, very positive force. And we're, look, at the end of the day, we want to make money. That's the, there's no right. hidden agenda. The agenda is we want to make money. But we are. You're also, a SaaS company. Yeah, exactly. But you're also we, the liaison between the government and them, which is big. Which huge. is big because, because you got to think about it when you. Certain uh, individuals and members of the the local and city and state politics are very advanced and understand that you know cannabis was let's may, maybe say overregulated and and criminalized yeah. to a degree that it should never have been. Mm-hmm. Um, but only certain members understand that. Others look at it as just a drug. And it's a drug, and it's still a criminal activity. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I still sit with individuals who say it's a drug, and you should be punished, and you should be in jail, and and it's yeah. horrible, and it's you know adding to the deterioration of society, and, yeah. and all of these these accusations against marijuana yeah. as a whole. They should criminalize social media. Yeah, exactly. Um, so so we look at all this stuff now, and we say, cannabis is here. It's here to stay. Right. It's a huge, huge opportunity for the city, municipal, county, state, everybody to 
to make real money. Mm -hmm. And it's also an opportunity to stop burdening the criminal justice system was something that should never have been a burden in the first place. Right. So I think as long as everybody's head is in the right place with this, we are an answer to how do you tax this? How do you monitor that taxation? And how do you do so in a way that doesn't um, present a, a obstacle to the dispensary who at the end of the day is just they're just cogs it's just a cog business right right? so my cog is beer my cog is coffee my cog is jewelry their cog is cannabis and cbd and tinctures and whatever else they're selling right but it's just cogs at the end of the day so if we put too many obstacles in front of their uh, selling of their cogs, their business doesn't work. Yeah. So we need to figure out how do you support this business, uh, understand that there's a criminal element. And yeah. again, I use criminal very liberally because I don't think it should ever have been criminalized, but there is still a criminal element to this. Yeah. And how do you embrace the lawful, law-abiding individuals and also help them against the criminal element? Because what's really interesting is... When I talk to dispensary owners, legal dispensary owners, their biggest problem is the illegal dispensaries. Mm -hmm. They're angry. They're not, actually, they're not angry. They're furious. Mm -hmm. They're furious that the cities and the municipalities aren't doing more to assist them in their lawful selling of cannabis. So that's what Verito is. Long Mm -hmm. story short. No, it was great. One thing, I I mean, going back to like kind of just juggling all these things at once, um, do you ever... I mean, I, I'm I'm all about like I can you strike me as an opportunist, and I love that. Like, I mean, if there's opportunity knock and go after it. But at some at one point, do you like the, has it ever felt like if you were to maybe like reduce the amount of things that you had your like mind on and like really focus and hone in on something that do you think like it you know you could do go a lot further in one thing? Like, how do you sure. go about like what's no, your I, thought? I think process? about it all the time, yeah. and it's actually. Uh, it's interesting that you say that because I would say, um, I, you know, 20 minutes ago or 25 minutes ago, I, I think I mentioned that the one regret I might have was I didn't sit at 25 with this, again, this definitive right. action towards a definable goal. Um, I would I would expand on that um, by saying that that regret would encompass not focusing singularly on one thing. Mm-hmm. So that's a trickier one. You yeah, know, because it's tough. I mean, it's tough when you're not just an entrepreneur, but a serial entrepreneur. And, you know, so it's a t- I mean, tough you're, one. You know, yeah, exactly. Because right? I, yeah. I could sit there and I could say, I should have been all in, double down, triple down, an inch wide. You've heard all the sayings, an inch wide, a mile mm-hmm. deep on hamburgers and beers, right? And right. maybe it would have been immensely successful. And maybe I would have been sitting now looking at increased minimum wage, increased COGS, increased employee yeah. labor lawsuits, and saying <laughs> to myself, I have a hundred restaurants that are moderately at best profitable. Yeah. Am I really in a better place? Because some people decide to go more like all in and deeper, knowing that there's like not very much light at the end of the tunnel and you're just like digging yourself deeper and deeper every single day. Yeah. It takes a lot to, yeah. And it's business and it's entrepreneurship. And if we, if we had any, if any of us had any prophetic ability, we would all be Warren Buffett, Right. but we don't. Right. So, but would you even want to be? (laughs) Well, 
you know, that's that's another thing I think about on a daily basis. And all all three of us sitting here are entrepreneurs, yeah. right? And for the most part, everybody that you collectively interview are entrepreneurs, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I I would love to know, and and this might be a question for you guys moving forward when you interview people. Um, is there days, and if so, how many days are there where you wake up in the morning and think to yourself, I would kill for a W-2, nine-to-five job, you know? Yeah. And, and look, Zero. I, well, you know, well, yeah, no, I, 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 you I, I know, know what you're saying. So you, yeah. if yeah. you say that, and the yeah. way you say yeah. it, Nemesis, you say that with, with um, from where I sit, uh, uh, wholehearted honesty. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. No. Now, yeah. I can't say that. There's yeah. days. I mean, I'm currently in a certainly. nine to five job, right? right? Like, I'm. I mean, like in this moment, like I can honestly say that. I, I'm, but, and I'm not. And, yeah, and, and he's and, not. And, and, and I know what you're yeah. talking yeah. about. Yeah, there's there, days certainly yeah. where yeah, but I there wake are definitely, up. Definitely, there are definitely days where I mean, I wake up and it's not. It's less about the job, more of, of the fact that I'm restricted to this nine to five, right? It's not about what I do. It's like. That during that time I'm focused on that, right? Yeah. I almost have the opposite problem of you two, where I have realized that I am a jack of all trades, right? And I'm not going to be a master of like one thing, right? right. And I'm okay with that. Like, do I want to pick an industry, perhaps, perhaps, right? Like maybe like you know technology and you know do hospitality tech and elder tech and do things in that one kind of thing, sure. But the thing is, for me, it's I have less time to practice creativity, sure. right? Less time to meet people and hang out and, you know, have positive impact on others and have others have a positive impact on me. I'm in the same surrounding. Again, when you get outside of that surrounding, you're like, oh, I wish I had more structure. It's back to this what? conversation of, yeah. you know, being content. There's almost like not a happy medium. No, there isn't. And I think, I think like you talk about restriction and it's interesting, like the opposite is also true when you're not restricted. You're kind of so all over the place where there are days where you're just burned out. You're like, damn, yeah. like yeah. maybe I, maybe I would be better off just in that position. Right. But oh. then I think it's important to like always kind of just like let it settle for a second and then visualize yourself in that position. Yeah. And like, would you truly be happy? And, and probably and, not. No. And look, and, and that's if you're a, that way, that's yeah. an excellent point you make. Right. Yeah. So it's very much one of these, uh, grass is always greener. Yeah, Sinero, absolutely. Right? You know, absolutely. it's funny, Pat. You were at this event. It was with Catherine, my girlfriend's dad, when he was hosting it, and it was funny at the time. She wasn't my girlfriend, but he ended up having a very successful career. And one thing that he said to us was, when he first started his career, even when he was in this position of you know finding somebody to spend the rest of his life with, right? He said that he did this values exercise, and it's funny because you know he kind of told me and now i tell everybody that i meet to do this and i remember i told i was telling you like not too long ago to do it yourself too and i did it and it was basically very simple you go online google values list of values there's like four or five hundred of them and it's an exercise i mean i would encourage you to do it too even at this point because even like every year you do it it's changes it it changes and you have to whittle it down to like five to ten values that you stand by right there's things like power and wisdom and success and wealth and inner harmony and whatever and i i think my one of mine was like inner harmony but none of them was about like power or success for me but it was inner harmony happiness like friendship it was kind of those things and that's when i started realizing those things for me are my definition of success, mm. right? It's not wealth. If I find myself in a position in a company where I am surrounded by inner harm or I am inner, innerly harmonious and I am have good friends and I'm learning or whatever and I'm gaining wisdom, that for me is success, right? Then I'm positive. Then I'm happy. Mm. Other people seek power, 
right? And that means that, and that has a direct impact on how they live life. Everything is a power move, right? And that could become very, very stressful very fast. Right. And so I encourage a lot of people to do this exercise because you get to learn about yourself. And I think one of the biggest things about being an entrepreneur, whether you're a master at one or a jack of all trades, is self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Is like knowing Agreed. who you are. Yeah. Right? If you know who you are, fuck what everybody else thinks. That's what I think, right? Like, I don't care. Like, love my parents, but my parents had a different experience than I did, right? And so they can give me advice, but my life and how I've lived and how I've grown up is very different than right. theirs. You take... I don't want to say you take it with a grain of salt because you don't. You want to make sure you respect their experiences. But you have to create your own path. Whether you are on your own or whether you're in a massive company, you're an individual. At the end of the day, you have to have an identity, Mm -hmm. right? So whether you're an entrepreneur or not, I know what your identity is, right? Like that's I think a lot of people that suffer with mental health and like other issues is because they lack identity. They don't know who they are and they don't know what they want. And it goes back to your you know, point of, I didn't have necessarily a goal or goals, right? That little thing makes a massive difference. Sure. Of like, even if it's a bullshit it goal. It makes all the difference. Right? You're yeah. like, I want to start a tequila yeah. company. It might never fucking happen. But now you're like, okay, I'm going to make more trips to Mexico. I'm going to yeah. learn more about agave. And then yeah. you're like, holy shit, I met George Clooney on a fucking farm. And now I have a company called Casamigos, right? Like, yeah. you know, you never know what's going to happen. It's, it, it's just like, it's almost like circumstantial. But because you put yourself in that environment, and I don't you think, never know. Yeah, what comes no, out and of agreed. It. And 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 going back to the, the Casamigos thing, like it doesn't mean that you have to be like closed minded. You can still no. be open minded. Sure. But as long as there's so, there's this kind of like fallback of like this is who I am. This is like how I go about things. Then everything you do, if you can somehow tie it back to that, it's easier to be like that's a good idea and that's not a good idea yeah. for myself. Mm-hmm. Well, the tricky yeah. part is, and you guys are you guys are young, and I don't say that in a demeaning way no, yeah. it's a it's a great thing yeah. but what you will find me, i want to get younger i just turned 27 i feel <laughs> <Yeah>. so old <laughs> but what you will find out which is really interesting is there's a there's a there's a point in time and we all we all go through it at different points in our life but to nurse's point you actually start questioning who you are 100 percent. oh yeah some people have it because of a traumatic event right mm-hmm. so so people will be married for 15 years yeah. and yeah. they'll get a divorce and yeah. they'll say well i always thought i was this person and some people have a a you know a horrible business failure and they stop and they say well i always thought i was smart and i always thought i was you know uh, forward thinking and i always thought yeah. that i was uh capable of of seeing obstacles and avoiding them so whatever it is we all question at some point in time who we are, which is which is a really interesting thing, and it's something actually for myself. I'd say the last couple years um, has been very prevalent in my mindset and in my thought process, and not in a negative way. Yeah, it's yeah. not something where I'm sitting around going, "Who like, am I?" Right? Like I'm you like know? in tears. Like, I can't yeah, believe I not, can't recognize yeah, myself it's anymore. Not dramatic. No. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. no. No. There's no exactly. There's no movie. I think uh, it's music. positive. I think knowing and learning about yourself, even when you're in doubt, it gives you the opportunity to then better yourself. Yeah. Right. Like if you are like, okay, you know. This is, I feel like I'm somebody who's always on the run and I never get to just think, yeah. right? That's self-awareness. So now you're like, how do I spend 15 minutes more a day thinking and just calming the mind? Yeah. And then you realize, holy shit, now I, there are more ideas popping in my head because it's clear and I'm just like, 
I have I'm distraction free, right? Like whatever it may be, though, I think self-awareness is something that a lot of people lack because whether it's they don't actually put in time into it or they just they've never really figured it out. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure there's a plethora of reasons, but I think it's that and also it's a combination of self-awareness and also a sense of direction. Like when you're so all over the place, like it's so easy again, like it's hard, like it's not easy. It's like, you know, as as opportunists, as entrepreneurs, like we're all at the same level. It's kind of like everything seem what that seems shiny like i'm gonna go after that exactly but it, you know at some point like that's i think that's what leads to it is like have not not having like the sense of direction of like where am i going mm-hmm. that makes you question like who am i and like when am i even doing every day you know it's yeah. like and it goes so. back to grass is greener thing too yeah. which again i always point to uh social media and i yeah. get asked this question whenever i speak at schools or universities and and one of you know, I do this speech called the the four pillars of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. It's a great one. one of the pillars is build your brand, tell your story, right? And incumbent in building your brand and telling your story is building your social media presence. Mm-hmm. And and the reasoning behind that is if I'm not telling my story, someone else is telling my story, and they're certainly not going to tell it in as positive a way as I'm going to tell mm-hmm. it, right? And and you can envision that. It's very yeah. easy to sit right now and think there'd be a way I would spin my story and there'd be a way someone who is being very neutral would spin my story. And then there's also a way someone that doesn't like me would spin my story. And like those, if Donald Trump didn't like you. Yeah. And those stories yeah. Are, yeah. Are, are diametrically opposed, yeah. right? You could see where those stories could be could be so different. Mm-hmm. And this again goes back to social media, which is you know, it's it's very, very interesting because I look at it and I think um, one of the things I'm super interested in now is is kind of this this futurist mentality. I've done a couple articles and attended as many uh, seminars as I can on artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. for example, and emerging legal technologies, um, autonomous vehicles and the effect of autonomous vehicles and... Um, and and that reaching everything not not just from autonomous vehicles but to uh, personal injury lawyers where personal injury lawyer says fifty percent of my caseload is car accidents. Well, now autonomous vehicles are going to cut ninety nine percent of car accidents. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, PI lawyer A just lost fifty percent of his caseload. Well, right. it doesn't stop there because doctor who treats PI lawyers patients just lost fifty percent of his caseload. Yeah. X-ray technician, physical therapist, chiropractor, the manufacturers of the products that they use. So it's just a crazy so there's effect. this massive mm. trickle effect. Yeah. And then you say, now take it another step further. And this is the example I always give people. I say, um, what is on every single corner in every city? Unfortunately, it's Starbucks. Okay, Starbucks. What else is on every corner in every city? Fire hydrant. I don't know. Fire hydrant. <laughs> Street lights. Street lights. Stop what signs. else? Yeah. What takes up the most valuable property in every city? Without fail. Uh, the the lines. Right, you guys, you guys are losing. Right, gas stations. Right? Oh, gas stations yeah. on what? every I wish corners. Are you on <laughs> yeah, yeah. every corner? Every sometimes city, I gotta drive blocks, right? and I'm like, yeah, on sometimes, e it's and sometimes you yeah. do, but, but I know you what you're saying. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right? So think about this. Think about, autonomous. but they do take up a lot of fucking space well, for no reason. Huge yeah. corners. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah. So yeah. now think autonomous vehicles, electric vehicles. Electric right. vehicles what happens to gas stations? Right. More real estate for developers. Right. Electric vehicles, but even that. So now take your your immediate response. More real estate for developers. Yeah. Right? So now More homeless people. Well, now you're developer developer guy A, right? Yeah. So developer guy A calls me all the time. You yeah. know what he calls me about? Yo, well, can you rezone this property? That and you know what else? <laughs> well, yes. But the the 
the impetus for that can yeah. you rezone this property what the fuck do I do with this property? Yeah, because yeah. it yeah. used to be very, very simplistic, right. right? I get the property, I build a strip mall, I turn it into retail. Right. Well, Amazon and now all retail. these retail's dead. Yeah. Retail's yeah. dead, right? So now you go, housing. but this is where things get really bizarre. Now you go, well, you build restaurants and hospitality concepts. And for the longest time, all the brokers ran around and said, experiential, experiential, yeah. make an experience for people. They'll come out, they'll yeah. drink, they'll come to your bar, they'll come yeah. to your restaurant. Experiential's cool. But what I realized five years ago and what I remember saying at a panel, I remember sitting at a panel two years ago and I remember telling people, and th at this point in time, uh, deliveries were I think about six to eight percent of your overall hospitality business. They were completely insignificant, yeah. right? The, so many people were said, I, "I don't do deliveries. I don't yeah. want yeah. my product." Um, uh, the fresh, like in and out. Yes, do it, exactly. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to serve a lesser product to my customer base. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I remember sitting anymore. at that. Exactly. I remember sitting at that panel, and I remember saying at that panel. My guess is by 2020, 20% 20 of your business will be deliveries. Everybody laughed at me. And Everybody 2019 in the panel is probably more than that, right? Yeah, I think it's, it's like 30% now, right? It's 30%. It's 25 yeah. to 30% yeah, yeah. in 2019. Yeah. So now all of a sudden you've There's got There's like 10 corners. companies doing it. Like, yeah. So we actually got, just sat down with the, the guy that you really like. His name is Al, you know, Cantor's Deli. Yeah, of course. So Alex Cantor, the great grandson oh, no of the way. founder. Very yeah. Cool. So he started a company called Ordermark, okay. which basically is aggregating all of the different third uh, party app delivery companies. Companies okay. into one system. Because all their output data is all different. Yeah. So it all messes ah, up right. the back. Yeah, you'll, the back you'll, you'll probably need it for your restaurants. Yeah. <laughs> I want to hear it. But yeah. think about that. So now you've got these corners that yeah. can no longer be gas yeah. stations, right? Yeah. And these no longer gas station corners can't be hospitality and it right. can't be restaurants. And then think about it. Restaurants are going out of business. They're going out of business at an alarming rate. It's, I call it restaurant apocalypse. My law firm has never been busier because everybody is suing their restaurant. Employees are all suing their employers. Uh, harassment, wrongful terminations, hostile work environments, et cetera, et cetera. Bigger problem with restaurants right now is people are all staying at home and ordering delivery yeah. and people Netflix and chill. Right, Netflix, people don't understand that Netflix and chill kills restaurants. It doesn't only kill movie theaters, right? <laughs> and when I tell people why does and Netflix, uh, well, it builds relationships, I guess I don't know. No, why does yeah. Netflix and chill kill yeah. a restaurant? Yeah. So I'll give you a super, super simple yeah. twenty-second description. Why? If you go in a restaurant, you get your hamburger, your French fries, and you get a beer, right? The high-margin item, and your girl gets her hamburger, French fries, and her soda or her glass of wine right? Your high margin item is that beer and that glass of wine, yeah. right? And then 30 minutes later, I go up to you and I say, hey, do you want another beer, Pat? And you go, yeah, you know what? I'll take one more. And your girl says, hey, you know what? That beer looked really good. I'll take one too. So now all of a sudden, I've Upsell sold you, exactly. Yeah. I've sold you two, two burgers, two fries, but I've to sold you two high margin item uh, beers and wines. And then you say, yeah, you know what? I'll take a dessert. And I say, cool, we've got this incredible chocolate brownie it's 11 mm. bucks that yeah. chocolate I wish they brownie had one right now yeah and <laughs> that chocolate brownie costs two bucks that's yeah. a huge huge margin and you're selling it for like 11 11 bucks yeah. right but the point with that is if you're sitting at home you know what you order you order burger and fries right yeah. Yeah. so you're i get, not thinking ahead no to like, I, get, well, I want that dessert no i, I don't get the dessert yeah. but more importantly i don't get the four dollar soda that cost me 11 cents. and you're losing money by giving the delivery service a cut and i'm giving a delivery person 20 to 25 percent and another factor no one thinking about is my waiter 
and my waitress are not making that tip. So, so now my look. waiter and waitress is standing around with a grumpy look on his face or her face, and then the customer that does come in is getting a lesser service. So the customer comes in to a lesser service, is like, wait a minute, I just paid $11 to valet, I fought traffic to get here, my waiter was a dick, why the fuck didn't I just sit at mm-hmm. home and yeah. watch Netflix yeah. and chill? So it's yeah. this gnarly, vicious cycle that can only result in the demise of, yeah. of restaurants. Mean, I've, been, I've heard a like I think Alex mentioned that Cantor's did this is they opened up like two satellite sort of kitchens where all they do is prepare food and it's purely for and that's, delivery. That's which is smart. But well, you, like, know, you know who's but doing at some that? Point, what? Travis Kalanick. Yeah, Travis Kalanick, I know. I mean that's but, why he created Uber. Yeah. yeah. But, well well no, but he's doing it now. I know I'm saying that, but that was yeah. his vision for actual profit, profit, profitability. But I wonder at that point, yeah. is that even sustainable? Because like, how many yeah. different kitchens are you going to have making the same exact things? I mean, it's just the, yeah. the it's just the chef at that point that's like maybe doing it. So yeah, here's the me. interesting part. Please, yeah. So check. So you guys will love this because you guys are students. Check this out. So I had the craziest meeting. Won't mention the name uh, with a, a very very large tech company, and what I realized was this very very large tech company was scrubbing data from their voice-activated technologies. So just right? go figure which tech company So figure out yeah. which one. It could only yeah. be four. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so one of these four companies was scrubbing data. Now, now think about what you just said. Well, oversaturation, you build too many locations, you build the wrong locations. They don't. That's the whole thing. You got to understand that these tech companies have literal crystal balls because yeah. they go back to that data and they go, oh, oh yeah. 90272 zip code, 417 people said, hey, voice-activated machine, I want a burger, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, voice-activated machine, I want a pizza. They know, not only do they know who's ordering what, they know the demand, and they know the demand down to a literal street basis. Oh, yeah, they probably so know your social security number. They know Plus, they know your credit card purchases <laughs> in what location, so they That's can scrub it, yeah. that too. I so mean, like, think about it. So, so easy, you're, yeah. you're, talking, you're talking truly about stack decks at this yeah. point. Yeah. You're yeah. talking about individuals, ladies and gentlemen like myself who are looking at this, and we're trying to we're trying to derive all of this information. So we're getting all of this data thrown at us, and we're trying to use this kind of common sense, um, touch, feel, uh, prophetic ability to derive answers out of the air and 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 talk to people and and it's this very unscientific method. Well, the data companies and these big these big tech companies they're pressing buttons and there's some kid, literal yeah. kid, infinitely more intelligent than I will ever be, who's spitting out a bunch of information on a sheet of paper yeah. that that person looks at and says, okay, if we put a commissary kitchen on 19th in Santa Monica, that commissary kitchen is going to service 4,200 people a month. Mm -hmm, And that's mm -hmm. the kind of numerics and information they're getting. And we're sitting with this truly rudimentary, archaic knowledge base going, well, I think it works. But I mean, what happens to like branding at that point? What happens to like... People don't care. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because here's the thing. good has to be what you want. Here's the thing. The brand brand applies to a certain level, right? So the, the greatest example of branding that I ever saw and the greatest explanation of it that I ever saw was done by a guy named Simon Sinek. Did you start with a lie? All right. So Simon Sinek's explanation of Apple... And Harley Davidson was the greatest mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. definition, explanation, 
breakdown of branding that I've ever, ever heard. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, branding stops mattering, yeah. right? At a certain point, I bought a Huawei computer, right? I was going to ask, what the hell is that? Yeah, I bought a Huawei computer. <laughs> I was an Apple guy for a long time. <laughs> I, just, I, 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 I was like, what is this Hawaiian mm-hmm. thing? Yo, at a certain <laughs> point. I think I saw that, but subconsciously, I was like, I don't know what that is. Yeah, I, think, I, yo, <laughs> yeah, I still know. I get made fun of about it. Where'd you it. go? Are you like an alien? I know, I get made <laughs> fun of about it. But seriously, at a certain point, I, I sat there, I looked at... This computer, I looked at that computer and I said to myself, it is actually 100% more costly Mm. for the same computer, 100%, right? And I sat there and I said, I don't really care that much about having an Apple computer, right? Now, there's a lot of people who pay that 100%. So to your point, at a certain point, Everybody loves Stout Burger, right? Yeah. We've been the, the the thank God, knock on wood, we have been the LA favorite for a, for a decade. Yeah. That's insane, yeah. right? We've been cranking out incredible gourmet burgers, made to order, yeah, it's great, high, high, high quality ingredients for yeah. a decade, right? I'm not kidding myself. I know what we do, right? I also know if you open up Acme Burger. Or Apple Burger or Amazon Burger, kill you. and you do it on 26th in Santa Monica, and because you're on 26th in Santa Monica, not Ocean in Santa Monica, mm-hmm. you're paying three dollars a square foot instead of six dollars a square foot, and because you're, you're a commissary that. kitchen with a small grab and go front, you have half of the employees, and because you're a small grab and go front and not a Stout Burger with beautiful copper, your build out's 350 instead of 700,000. As a result of all of those factors, you is that like 80% better profit margin already? Yeah, yeah. well, think it through the math, right? Yeah. Your yeah, Acme burger, your Apple burger, your Amazon burger, which you completely just rip my burger, uh, you charge nine bucks, I charge 15. At a certain point, nurses goes. Dude, that's my boy, and I love Stout, and I'm always going to support Stout. And I'll go to Stout mm-hmm. once every other week, but when I'm sitting at home, yeah. am I going to order right. a $15 burger no. or a $9 burger when he knows yo, Chuck's not watching what I order, mm-hmm. yeah. right? So think about it. So at a certain point, that brand unfortunately becomes somewhat of a moot point. Right? Yep. Yeah, it's unfortunate. it really is unfortunate. Let me tell you why. Because for people that enjoy hospitality, right? It's, I always tell everybody, I mean, me and Pat talk about it all the time. For me, going to a restaurant, I'm not going for the food. Right. Because when I go to a restaurant, I already expect the food's going to be good or else they shouldn't be a restaurant, right? So I always say it's going to be at least above average food. And I accept it. If it's average, I'm like, all right, that's fine, whatever. But I go because I love the interaction with people. Like with the servers, with the waiters, right. with the waitresses, with the front desk, with, you know, maitre d', you know, with the people that I'm going with, right? Like, for me, like I don't mind paying because I'm gonna. For me, I'm gonna come out with a memory. Right. I'm gonna come out with an experience when right. I'm ordering, you know, Postmates or whatever. My experience is with myself. At well, work. it just sounds like the concept of a restaurant is just changed. Like the middle, the middle ground is kind of just being cut out, and it's either right. the yeah. high end mm-hmm. restaurant mm-hmm. where you just can't get that to dine right. out. Yeah. Or the, and, I mean, and not the fast food, but like, like you said, like the right, kitchens, man, you're, you're exactly. Yeah. yeah, and the only thing I think that can help this, I think, in my opinion, I could be wrong, is if these developers and these you know landlords realize like that retail is dying, and unless we like lower our prices and just get people occupying our space, 
then we can't survive, right? Because at the end of the day, they're going to suffer as much as retailers. Absolutely. So if they lower their rent, now his profit margin goes up so he can still stay in business. And now you and I can open a store right next to him, help him, yeah. and his business helps us, right? Like at the end of the day, those retailers aren't really competing with each other. Like no. You, guys, you, you yeah. want that foot traffic. Yeah. You want, like, for example, I remember when we were working with Little Ruby's, yeah. like, you wanted them. I mean, it's another food concept, oh, but you wanted wait. them next I to you. I couldn't wait for Our yeah. numbers jumped yeah. when they opened, yeah. and our numbers yeah. stayed up. Yeah, Elefante, I remember that one as well. Completely. It's, it's Huge, the yeah. theory, the rising tide raises all ships. Theory. Right. Yeah, but see, a lot of people don't agree with that. Yeah, but it, but it's unequivocally. I mean, like, have a correct. business, and then you'll agree with You it. really yeah. will. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. But but now what's interesting is, so now when I, when I do these interviews or I talk to people about it, I say experiential is no longer enough right yeah. so now uh you have you have to actually take it a whole new level the level now is a lifestyle yeah because who said like your retail shouldn't be experiential already like right. why it's not like one or the other it's You're like totally no at this right. point it's a need to have no and now it's huh. got to transcend experiential yeah. and it's got to be a community-based lifestyle yeah we so, were talking about this on the phone i think a couple yeah. weeks ago so, and yeah. that's where third wave market came from yeah. third wave market came from uh, our understanding and belief that there was a vacuum for this community in that particular community. Mm -hmm. And how do we build a community that people sit there and they say, okay, I could go to Gelson's or yeah. I could go to Whole Foods and I could buy a gallon of alkaline water for yeah. four ninety five, mm -hmm. but I would rather go and sit in that restaurant and speak with yeah. a bunch of people of like right. minds. Like the, mi the mindset is like, yeah, there's Netflix and chill. Yeah, people are ordering at home. But at some point, you got to get up off your couch and do something. What is that thing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we want that community. Yeah. And and any restaurateur or hospitality person that thinks they can make a go for it now, they have to stop thinking experiential. They have to stop thinking, my product's better. You sure? You, do you need a good product? Of course Absolutely. you do. But what you need to do is you need to appeal to community and you need to build a community base mm -hmm. and you need to say, yeah. hey, you know what, Pat? We have the same lifestyle and this particular opportunity affords us or this particular location affords us opportunity to share and interact our lifestyle with other like-minded people. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, Charlie, it's been an amazing conversation. I know we could go on for hours and hours and yeah, hours. It's the longest one yet, yeah. but it's. Sorry. I mean, I think no, no, no. I love it. it. I think it's probably one of the best conversations yeah. yet because I think it involves like practical knowledge. Like yeah. this is somebody that's not like he's done several different businesses. Like yeah. he's still doing it. He's yep. still grinding. You know, I think you're somebody. You're an example of somebody who has, you know, doesn't necessarily preach hustle, but you practice it, right? Like I always tell people, like practice what you. It's not always like preach what you it's not practice what you preach it's preach what you practice yeah right and i think i think you're somebody that does preach what you practice you 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 know recognize that there are challenges you recognize there are opportunities and you just kind of go after it and for those that want to follow him on social media they can find him at, at the charles lou on instagram and i know you're big on linkedin i know you and i have been so bullish on linkedin from yeah. day one it's a great platform it's it's, it's the best platform it in really my opinion is. yeah for yeah. social yeah. media Especially if you're a professional, if you're somebody that's building a business. And if you yeah. care about quality over quantity. Yeah. yeah. You, you want to connect with fellow business people. Yeah. You don't want to necessarily show off to your whole Instagram audience or whatever. So you can follow me at Charles Lutz, C-H-A-R-L-E-S-L-E-W. And Charlie, thank you so much. Yeah, I know you're going to be on the show us. again. Nice. It's been great. Really Hopefully next it. time yeah, we do awesome. it at the Third Wave Marketplace. Yeah, we'll, do it, yeah, we'll do it at the podcast. 100%. 100%. Thank you so much for everything. Thanks, and thank boys. you for your hospitality. Thank you. Thank you.